0: be honest, I didn't know if there's gonna be an intro video or not, so I just kind of paused real quick. I'll be honest with you. Uh, Man, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to all of you. Uh, This is so exciting for me. I took some time off and then to be back with you is just so good. I miss you guys so much and it's such an honor uh, to come together with you to open up God's word, to be together, to learn together. So I think that's just so cool. Uh, So I don't know about you guys, but for me, something always crazy happens during like Christmas and New Year's. So I've been asking people like, hey, what's something crazy that happened like during these two weeks? And I've been getting all kinds of responses and I just wanna tell you mine, okay? So there I am, the 31st, right? We're about to celebrate going into 2022. I'm so excited. And I'm there eating some apples and some like cream with chocolate chip thing that one of my friends made. And so I was like enjoying my life, enjoying just the, the savoring of all of this. And I'm just eating there and you know, I'm chewing on this side and then I start chewing on this side. And then you know, like when you bite down, you're like, yeah, that didn't feel right. Uh-huh, well, that's what happened to me. And I was like, okay, that bite didn't feel right. And then I felt a little hard thing, and I was like, okay. So then I took, like, a little piece of tooth out, and I was like, okay. So then I start feeling around my tooth. Well, apparently one of my fillings, like, fell out. Yeah, it was kind of the worst. I was like, yeah, now I have, like, a hole in my tooth. So I don't know about you guys, but for me, something, like, always crazy happens during those, uh, during those times. And so, I don't know, I just wanted to share that with you because it's like, yeah, that uh, – That totally happened to me. So I had to go, I had to go like throughout, I think it was like three or four days with like this hole in my tooth. So I gotta go uh, get it fixed. Now I did get it fixed, just to let you know. Uh, But yeah, so I don't know about you guys. Some of you just came back from break. And so welcome back. Uh, So as we look at 2022, there's some things I just wanna remind you about uh, because there's some really important things that we're about to walk through as a church. And so January 16th, I want you to put that on your calendar, January 16th. Okay, this is just a big reminder that we're going to have a Family Matters together. So Family Matters, what that really is, is just this meeting where all the church family comes together, the church members come together. And it's going to be such an important time because really we get to participate in the vision uh, together and buy into a vision together of what 2022 will look like but also what the next 75 years will look like. And so January 16th, we're gonna look back at what God has done the past 75 years as a church and then say, okay, what do the next 75 years look like? And I'll tell you what, this might be like hands down the most important family matters meeting ever, in my opinion, in my, in my years here, which is a year and a half. The most important one ever, because I really do think it's gonna affect not just our whole church in general, but specifically this church location, as, as we look at what does it really mean to be the mission here, there, and everywhere, or in other words, la misión aquí, allá, y más allá. So we're going to be looking at that together. So if you're a member here, man, I just want to ask you, please, please be there and participate in the vision. I'd love for you to hear that uh, and to just hear a heart and what that looks like, because I think we'll really be able to uh, ask the question, what is the best way to move forward that will affect the next three generations? the next three generations. And so as we look at that, uh, there's something that we're gonna be looking at all of 2022. So do you guys remember how we always have like a gospel adventure? And this gospel adventure is kind of like this phrase that we try to use every single year to say, okay, this year we're gonna focus on this one thing. And so our gospel adventure for this year is the mission life the mission life. I don't know if you guys have seen that all around social media or around somewhere else, but the mission life is what we're gonna be trying to focus on. Uh, How are we gonna live the mission life? And so those are all really great questions that we're gonna be answering. And so in order to really focus well, The sermon series for January is the mission life. The whole sermon series is about how do we live the mission life here, there and everywhere. And so here's gonna be something different this year that I'm gonna be doing, that Chris will be doing, that our other pastors will be doing, is that every single Sunday, we're gonna give you a challenge. saying, hey, here's the mission life challenge for for this week that you can take and say, okay, in order to live the mission life, here's what I'm going to do, here's what I'm going to say, here's what I'm going to try to accomplish. And so as we look at that, this is the first sermon of that series, and the title is uh, The Mission Begins With Love. The mission begins with love. And the reason that's a title for us this morning is because throughout this whole series, we're gonna be kind of re-looking at our mission, our vision, and our core values. And so if I were to ask you, hey, what's the mission of our church? I'd be curious to see what you would say. Because the mission statement of our church is loving all people to Christ and equipping them on their journey with God and one another. And so the mission begins with love. And so we're going to be looking at that. We're going to look at that whole phrase, that whole mission statement. So that was a lot of just some pre-things. But I want you to go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter 2 with me. Revelation chapter 2. How many of you have studied the book of Revelation? Any hands? Studied it? Kind of? I see a couple. Okay, okay, watch out. All right, Revelation chapter 2. So we're going to be in verses 1 to 7. And as, as we read this, I want you to ask the question, or maybe even just think, have you ever known someone that maybe they did good things but for the wrong reasons? That they did good things, but maybe uh, their motives were bad? You see, when we read this, we're going to be looking at the church of Ephesus, and you're going to hear a little bit of that. You're going to hear a little bit of Jesus saying, hey, I, I see you're doing good things, but I think your motives are a little bit off. And so let's go ahead and stand together, and we're going to start reading uh, uh, Revelation chapter 2. We'll start in verse 1. So it says this, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place but you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the uh, Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Verse seven, whoever has ears, let them hear what the spirit says to the churches. To the one who's victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. This is the word of the Lord and praise Praise be to God. God. Amen, you can be seated, be seated. It's good to be with family again, and if you're new, my name is Misael, Misael Gonzalez, and I'm uh, the lead pastor here. And so we're gonna be looking here at um, at these passages, and so the main idea I want us to get from this, and I just want you to be thinking about this as we continue to talk about this passage, and I'll keep pointing back to it, but here's kind of our main idea. No love, no life. With no love, There is no life. And I just want you to think about that. With no love, there is no life. If you think about God, if there wasn't love, if God didn't love us, there would would not be any creation. If there is no love, there would not be any salvation for all of my wrongdoings. With no love, I would not be transformed by God. If there was no love, I wouldn't know who God was or who God is because God is love. And as we serve other people and as we are doing these good things, we have to keep that in mind because sometimes we can kind of be trapped in saying, man, I'm going to serve God without really loving God. And I'm going to serve others without really knowing what it means to love them. Or sometimes we try to serve out of guilt or shame or trying to be cool instead of serving out of love. And so we're going to look at our mission statement together this morning, but we're going to use this passage to kind of propel us. And so we're going to look at that first part, which is that we exist to love all people to Christ. And really, I'm going to focus in on verses 1 to 4 for this. That we are to love all people to Christ. And so when we look at this, this mission statement together, one of the things we're going to do is I hope we evaluate ourselves. I think a new year always brings a good moment to like self-evaluate. And uh, so we're going to self-evaluate a little bit as a people and also as a church. And so if you think about loving all people to Christ, well, first I have to know who love is before I can love And if I'm going to love all people to Christ, it's not just being loving, but it's understanding who love is. Because how am I going to lead someone to Christ if I don't know Christ? How am I going to lead someone to love if I don't know love? And so those are the things we have to keep in mind because it's not just the love part, but it's the all people part as well. You see, it's not just people that you know. It's not just people you think you're comfortable talking to. It's not just people who look like you. It's not just people who speak the same language as you. It says all people. We are to love them in such a way that we are leading them to Christ. That we are loving them in such a way that it makes Christ so much sweeter and saying, wow, man, I I wish I had what you have. And so as we look at this passage, that's what we're going to be seeing because at the very end, uh, of the verse uh, three and four, it talks about forsaking the love you first had, and so we're going to be looking at that. So as we look at verse one, there's some challenges here because Revelation always has all this imagery, always has all these things that like makes it so confusing. So let me just kind of clear some things up for you. So it says here to the angel of the church in Ephesus. So this word "angel" in Greek is "angelos," and really that word means messenger, and so it could be a an angelic messenger, or it could be an an earthly messenger. But either way, the way this works is this is Jesus talking and Jesus is giving the word to John. John's giving it to the messenger and the messenger is giving it to the church of Ephesus. And so we have to keep in mind that this is Jesus who's talking like, like the, the glorified, resurrected Jesus King is saying, these are my words and give these words to the church of Ephesus. And what he does, Jesus establishes his power, his reign and his authority very quickly. He says, yeah, I hold the seven stars and the seven lampstands. And you're like, what does that even mean? Well, these lampstands are actually the seven churches. And so Ephesus, this church of Ephesus, is actually one of the golden lampstands that we see in verse 1. And this is going to be important for us for the second part, for what Jesus says if they don't uh, obey his command. And so we see that Jesus establishes his authority, but then he also says a word that I think all of us, either it brings us a lot of comfort or it scares us a lot, where Jesus says, I know. Just imagine Jesus saying, yeah, I know. I know your deeds, I know your work, I know what's going on. I'm observing what you're doing, but not just physically, but I'm observing and knowing your heart, your motives, your why, your because. And what Jesus does with all authority, he gives first the church a good compliment. So look what he says. He's like, man, I see what you guys are doing. You're tolerating wickedness. You're you're fighting against heresies. You're persevering hardships. You're enduring hardships. So he gives the church a good compliment. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your phone out or take a piece of paper out. And I want you to think about this and I want you to write something down. Think about if Jesus were to come right now, what would he compliment our church about? What would be his compliments? And so I want you to write down what those might be. Like if Jesus right now, again, we're gonna self-evaluate a little bit, our church, what would be those things that Jesus would compliment us on? And saying, hey, great job man, you're, you're doing, you're doing fantastic. So I want you to write those down because Jesus knows, but I think it's be, it'd be good for us to self-evaluate. What are those compliments? I'll give you some time to write that. Because I know if I keep talking, I'll distract you. <laughs> so what are those things that Jesus would say, man, I'm gonna compliment on you on that? There's some things that we could name out, but uh, I'll leave those unspoken on my part. But I think that would be good for us to just see it on paper or write it down on your phone. Because we see Jesus complimenting the church and saying, man, I see what you're doing. But then, quickly, he says uh, in verse 4, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You see, it almost seems as if the church of Ephesus, they weren't wanting to know more of God to be more in awe of God, but they wanted to know more of God in order to look smarter. They were doing all these things and all these good deeds more because they were motivated out of duty, rather out of love for God. They kind of thought, maybe, maybe if we do all these things, this will be the perfect way to love God. Rather than saying, no, I, I love God. And because of that, man, now, now I want to do all of these things. You see, they were doing this maybe out of self-gain rather than out of love and worship. And, and here's a, just a personal question for us, right? Let's just kind of make it personal. Like how many of us are maybe like the church of Ephesus? How many of us get so caught up doing things for God that we forget to just be with God? I want you to imagine this. Imagine someone coming up to you or maybe someone who's really close to you and they say, hey, I love you so much, but only when I'm like mowing the grass or I'm like, you know, helping you do the dishes or whenever I'm like rubbing your back or all that kind of stuff. And that's the only time I love you. And then, and then, the, and then you're like, well, I just, I don't want you to do anything for me. I just want you to be with me. And that person's like, no, 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 that, that's, that's no. Because if I'm just being with you, I don't love you. I just wanna do all these things for you because that's how I love you. You see, it just doesn't make sense. Because it should be out of the overflow of the love that we do things. And so we get so caught up doing things for the Lord rather than just being with the Lord. Because it's in the being with the Lord and his presence that propel us and and, and, and really push us to be a people who say, man, I want to glorify the Lord with all that I have. It's the Lord and it's Jesus Christ alone who inspires me. His love inspires me to love him. You see, that's what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 says, that it's the love of Christ that compels us, compels us to do right. And so we see this criticism from Jesus to the church, this criticism that they had forsaken their first love, forsaken God, forsaken others, they had forsaken doing those things that they did before. So we see a compliment and now we see a criticism. So we're, let's do the same thing. Imagine Jesus here again. And now he's going to criticize what we do. So what would be those criticisms that Jesus would look at us and say, hey, uh, here's what I see that you're doing wrong. So I want you to take some time and I want you to think about that. Write it down. What would be those criticisms of saying, hey, I'm looking at the church. I'm looking at your church. I'm looking at our church. And I'm going to say, man, maybe you have forsaken this or maybe you've forgotten this. Maybe you're not doing this. What would be those things that Jesus would say? Again, I'll give you a little bit of time to think about that. And if you're new with us, I'm actually really glad you're here because you have some fresh eyes. I love it. You see, I, I... I pray that we are never a church that say we're going to love all people to Christ, but we don't. I pray that we're never a church that say we love all people to Christ, but then Jesus would look at us and say, hey, you have forsaken your first love. You have forsaken the things you used to do man, when you first loved me. And so we see, you know, loving all people to Christ, uh, something that we hold near and dear that we have to walk into, we see that Jesus is giving the church of Ephesus a great compliment, but also a criticism. But then I want us to look at verses five to seven together. Five to seven. So not only do we love all people to Christ, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but also part of our mission statement is equipping, uh, equipping them, meaning equipping others on their journey with God and with one another. Uh, when you think about this, equipping people on their journey, equipping people on their gospel adventure is absolutely vital because this means discipleship. This means living in community together. This means living in such a close close relationship with other believers that they can look at you and say, "Hey, uh, I, I don't, I think you forgot to like follow this command of Jesus." Or, "Hey, I'm, I'm seeing you, and you're kind of like not really walking in step with Him." And out of just so much love, man, I just want to kind of help you. Kind of get back on track because man, you've done that for me, so I want to do that for you now. You see, equipping each other doesn't just mean, man, I'm going to give you a little Bible study and just like walk away. But equipping each other is coming hand in hand and saying, hey, this is what the Lord has said, commanded, and warned. Because here we see Jesus commanding and warning people as well. And so again, we're going to continue to just self-evaluate together. And self-evaluation is is a little difficult. Let's not lie. Right. It's a little difficult saying, okay, Lord, where where are we at uh, as a people and as a church. And so I just want to read this again for us starting in verse 5. Or well, let me read verse 4 so we have a little bit more context. So it says this, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Verse 5, consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place but you have this in your favor. And so it continues to go on. That that can kind of sound like a harsh statement where he says, repent and do all the things you did at first. And if you don't, I will remove your lampstand, meaning I will remove you as an assembled church. And so I want you to think about this. Think back of like the first week or the first two weeks after you had placed your faith and trust in Jesus. Think of like the, that first, maybe that first month where you were just like walking around saying, "Man, the Lord has forgiven me. Uh, man, I can walk in freedom and in forgiveness. This is absolutely incredible." Think of think of those moments. Uh, you see, I was saved when I was when I was seven. I put my faith and trust in Jesus when I was seven, and I remember like those first couple of weeks, just like asking all these questions, like trusting the Lord uh, and trusting the Lord, and on all the things, even just like as a little seven-year-old. And then I remember uh, just having to like truly grasp and 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 re, in a sense, like rededicate my life to the Lord when I was thirteen. And at that thirteen age, I remember just again being like quote unquote like on fire for the Lord again. And those several weeks, for weeks where I was just like, man, I want to do everything for God because I just recognize how much he's loved me. Man, I want to serve him because out of just gratitude of what he's done in my life. Man, I want to continue to read the word because God is just so incredible. Man, I just want to do this and this and this and this and this. All because I'd understood what Jesus had done for me. And you see, time kind of goes by. And then sometimes I was like, ah, well, I'm going to do this because I have to. Like I have to kind of read my Bible because I have to. And I kind of, I'm going to go to church because I have to. And I'm going to like love people because I have to. Instead of saying, wow, wait, time out. The Lord of all creation, the God almighty, like the triune, magnificent, holy of holy of holies Lord has been so intentional with me to say he loves me and to to not just say it, but to, but to come to me, to come to this earth and say, man... I literally love you so much to die for you. And there's those moments I have to remind myself and say, Misael, why are you not living out of gratitude? Why are you not doing things out of love rather than being someone who's like, man, I have to do this because I have to. And so I don't know if you've been there before, but this is a big warning for us. This is a big warning for the church in general, because, Jesus is the one that assembles the local church. We saying that Jesus has the authority with one word to change everything. And here in one word, Jesus is saying, I can assemble the church and I can unassemble the church. But why would Jesus do that? These are really strong words. Well, if you look at it, it's because they wouldn't repent. It's because of sin. It's because of self-gratification, it's because of they wanted to do self-gain rather than glorify the Lord. And so that's a big warning for us because you wanna know something crazy? The church of Ephesus doesn't exist anymore. And so I think back and I'm like, man, (laughs) I don't think they repented. But you see the gospel continues but there is this warning that Jesus gives. And so in this, all this warning, we see the great command, this command of repent and repent. And so we're gonna do this again, so this is number three. So we've done the compliment, we've done the, the criticism. So now take your notes back out, get your little piece of paper back out and say, if Jesus was here, what would he command us to do? Like what would be his command to us? The command to the church of Ephesians or of Ephesus was to repent. What would it be, what would it be for us? I'd just be curious. So. Think about that, write it down, and continue to self-evaluate together as a church. And as you think and as you write, here's one thing that comes to my mind when, when I think about this. The Lord, I think, has really asked us to revive a gospel presence here in Tulsa. Revive a gospel presence. You see, when I look at this community and when I look at at other churches around, I'm like, man, don't leave this location. I mean, like don't leave this place. Like people need Jesus. Like the gospel presence needs to be here. Like don't, don't go back up way north. Don't go back down way south. But man, we need to be here. We need to revive a gospel presence here. So what would Jesus look at us and say? What commands or what warnings would he give us? And then as we look at all this, we see a commitment from Jesus. And so I want you to look at verse 7 with me. It says, Whoever has ears, let them hear that the Spirit says to the churches, To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in paradise of God. I think Jesus would stand up here and, and commit something to us as well. he say, man, I'm committed to you guys. Man, I committed my life to you, but now I wanna commit my spirit to you. Like I'm committed to be with you wherever you go. Man, don't forget the things that you used to do when you were first saved. Man, don't forget those sweet moments with me. And so here's kind of the, the big application for us this morning. The big application is this, is what if, what if we were to love like we know we are loved? Or in other words, love like you are loved. I think we have to remind ourselves of that because I don't know if you've been there, but sometimes it just seems like we love because we have to, or we love because if we don't, we're gonna look a little bad. Or sometimes it seems like we love only to like gain the affection of someone else. Or sometimes we love because we're scared. Rather than saying, man, I'm gonna love because I know I'm loved. I'm gonna love because I know God loves me. I'm gonna love because I know he showed his love and there was no greater love than when he came down, he died on the cross for me, that he rose from the grave and said, man, If you will follow me into the grave, you can follow me out of the grave too. And so what would it look like for us to love like we are loved? What would it look like for us to say, I'm going to actually love all people to Christ because I was part of those all people. Look, I'm I'm a nobody personally. And so what would it look like for us to do that? And then, I think maybe some of us, maybe some of us just need to remember that we're loved. I think too many times we think, man, nobody nobody can love me or I'm not worth being loved. Sometimes we don't even wanna be with ourselves. Sometimes it's like, man, do I even wanna be here? Do I even wanna be by myself? And so I'm gonna give you the mission challenge, the mission life challenge. And my prayer and my hope is that as you do this mission life challenge, you will first remember just like we are bad people, that you would first remember that we are just tiny and little, but then secondly, that you'd remember God's great love for you and that you would remember just how mighty and how great God is. So here's the mission life challenge. And I know it's a little cold outside And so maybe you can walk around in your house. But here's the mission life challenge. Let's prayer walk this week. Let's prayer walk this week. I don't know if you've ever prayer walked in nature before when you're looking at the stars, you're looking at the trees, you're looking at the grass, you're looking at the buildings, you're looking at whatever. And as you prayer walk, you're not just praying for the people, but you're praying for yourself. And it's in those moments of of prayer walking that God reminds you of who you are, of who he is and what he has promised to do. And so if we're gonna be a people who really live the mission life here, there and everywhere, man, we have to remember our first love, who is God himself, because then we can love all people to Christ and equip each other equip them on their journey with God and with one another. And this is what we see in this passage as well. These great commands, criticisms, compliments, but also God's promise to us, which is just so lovely. So what I'm gonna do in this moment, I just wanna pray for us and pray for you because as we begin this new year, We're going to have to be resilient and and say, man, we are going to live the mission life together. There's no better way to live than in community because, man, I don't know if you feel this, but lies manifest in isolation. And one of the ways that we are spiritually attacked, that we are, are attacked by the enemy is lies. And so let's not live in isolation because that's where lies manifest. So let's go ahead and pray together. Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful for a new year. Man, just to be able to, <laughs> to just fathom that we are in 2022 is incredible. Lord, you have been so faithful through every single situation of our life. but Lord, I'm grateful that we just have life. Lord, we understand that without love, there is no life because you, Lord, are love and you are life. Lord, I pray that you would help us live the mission life. Lord, I pray that we would heed the warnings of Revelation chapter two. That we would heed the warnings that you gave the church of Ephesus. And Lord, that we would be a people who understand our first love and and, and, and live in love out of an overflow because we have been with you. Help us, Lord, in our weeks and our days to be a church and a people who we spend time being in your presence. That spend time in those sweet moments of silence where you can speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we love you and, and we praise you for who you are and what you've done. And I pray that we would love like we know we are loved by you.